CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Friday afternoon here at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square, and that can only mean one thing. It's options action time. On the big show tonight, first, reserving a way to stay in Marriott, then how to pay your bills with MasterCard, and another so bad it's good, the Amgen edition. With us tonight, Carter Worth and Mike Coe as usual, and a special appearance by Nadine Terman. Welcome to you, Nadine. Let's get right to it. Another big week of earnings next week, and reads on the consumer. We're looking at two consumer-facing names tonight. First up. Carter Worth is checking in on Marriott. Carter, how do the charts look? We're obviously having some difficulty with Carter's audio. So, Mike, what do you see for Marriott? Yeah, so uh, I, I think the first thing I would say is, I, you know, we know obviously, uh, I think the direction that Carter was going to take with this I mean, one of the things that we definitely have seen is some good relative strength in Marriott lately. Anybody who's been following the stock, and we can probably pull up a chart right now, even though Carter's not here to show us his, will see that obviously the stock has done quite well in recent weeks. And we, I think one of the reasons for this, of course, is that uh, people are sort of looking to the long end of the recovery from the pandemic. And we have seen uh, RevPARs, that's the revenue per available room, improving in some markets. Uh, notably in Asia, uh, although that's not necessarily true everywhere. Now, one of the things that people who are looking at the stock might see is that the uh, multiple right now, about 33 times forward earnings, you might think that that's relatively high. But here's an important point. The 520 share that the company is expected to make in full year 2022 would actually be the highest EPS in the company's history. If you look further out, out to 2023, which obviously is uh, trying to read the tea leaves a little bit, but for those analysts who are trying to forecast EPS out that far, they're expecting $6.75 per share. That would reflect nearly 30% year-on-year EPS growth, which sort of gets us to that 30 times forward multiple where the stock is presently trading. Now, as we take a look at earnings coming up right now, the options market is implying a move of just under 5%. And I think it's important to note that that's significantly higher than what the stock has averaged historically. So what that suggests is that although the stock is elevated, options premiums are similarly elevated. And when you see that kind of a dynamic, I think we want to try to take advantage of a situation like that by looking for ways to sell premium. So just taking advantage of the fact that we see some strength in the stock, also the fact that the options premiums are relatively elevated, uh, one of the things we can try to do is give ourselves some near upside exposure, but also recognize that those elevated options premiums could suggest that there is some uncertainty and there is some risk. Specifically, I was looking out to the December 3rd weekly options. I was looking at the 145, 165, 175 call spread risk reversal. So in this trade, we would be buying the 165, 175 call spread and selling the 145 strike puts to help finance it. Net net at the end of the day, that would be about a $1 debit. Now, if you held that trade all the way to expiration, then obviously you would need it to be above that 165 strike price by at least the dollar that you paid. 
But the important point I would make here is that because options premiums are elevated with earnings upcoming, you're probably going to see what we sometimes refer to as vol suck coming out of the backside of that. So we're actually going to see some of those premiums come in, which means that the basically the break even is probably much closer to spot right after earnings. So this is a way for us to get some upside exposure and then looking out to that December 3rd weekly expiration. In the event that the news is not that great, you're not going to have the stock put to you until it gets down to around that 145 level. That's nearly a 10% discount to where the stock is currently trading. And of course, that gives us a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of protection in the event that it goes back to that level. And also, again, if Carter was here to talk about his charts, he might point out that this recent strength that we have seen came up from about 142, 143. So that's kind of how I identified that short put strike. All right. Well, Carter is back. We fixed his audio issue. So, Carter, what do you say about these charts? Sure. Uh, I mean, look, this is an unloved stock of the 20 analysts that cover on the street. They believe 12 months hence it will be trading lower than it is now, their 12-month price target below the current price. But I think the setup is good technically, and let's look at four simple charts. The first, you see Marriott, no drawings, no lines, no judgments by me. Second chart, now we put in the lines. What do we know? It's a setup that we've seen, history has seen over and over and over. Do they always break out? Of course not. But we have to play the hand that's dealt. And the hand that's dealt is we're setting up, toying with the prospects of finally moving above. Basically, it's it's COVID, pre-COVID high. Look at the next chart. This is longer term. I've drawn the lines the same way. The setup is important. You're talking about a stock that basically is up 3% from its pre-COVID level with the S&P up 35%. And Hilton has already started to break out. Final chart, just one other way to draw the lines. A lot of tension here. It's often fundamentals that resolve technical patterns. I think the setup is bullish, and I think you want to be long into earnings. Nadine, would you agree, and what do you think of the trade? I do, and I like the fact that where Michael put the low end. So our proprietary trading range is the low end at 154. So that gives you plenty of cushion even below that for risk management. Um, where it's trading in a momentum or bullish signal intermediate term and short term trading above those lines for us. And I like the implied volatility premiums that it's positive. And so it means they're paying a little bit up for protection, as Michael had said. And so, you know, when you think about some of the fundamentals, what are some events that could make you money here? Basically, travel restrictions are going to get lifted in early November. Also, you've got the vaccine for younger kids. What we really need to hear from management, which I think is critical so you're not heading toward that lower number, is not just the RevPAR trends, as Michael was talking about, but the CFO recently noted that they have the reasonable ability to increase their average daily rates to offset inflation costs. So that's labor and other input costs. We need to see that happen. We need to see the cancellation rate is positive in terms of uh, the momentum. So people are not canceling as much as they did during Delta. And we also have to see what they're going to be doing with share purchases. So capital allocation, super important. With the stock down here, we need to see them repurchasing shares. So let's see if they did. All right, let's get to our second read on the consumer, consumer spending specifically, with the very thing they're used to spend on. Uh, Nadine, why are you charging into MasterCard, especially post-earnings? Well, Mel, over the past month, you probably know MasterCard has taken a hit at 5%. So on the heel of Visa's cautious comments around cross-border transactions not returning to 2019 levels until mid-2023, we saw both Visa and MasterCard decline. It's our firm's view that management was being overly cautious there at Visa. We've got additional information through MasterCard's print that supports our view. 
So MasterCard's key statistics that they provided shows it's clear that the Delta variant late this summer in August and September temporarily pressured results. So we can see that MasterCard's tracking ahead in October for switched volumes, switched transactions, cross-border volumes. And we can also see versus 2019 levels, they're over 30% ahead on switched volumes, switched transactions, and they're improving on those cross-border volumes here in October. So in terms of fundamentals, we look at the stock price over a two-year basis in 2019. The stock is up to 22%, so obviously that's solid. But versus cross-border transactions, they were higher than that, so in the 30s, which get hit when travel is halted or depressed, the company's tracking ahead. Plus, we like the fact that companies like MasterCard can provide a bit of an inflation hedge. If gas costs more at the pump and we use our cards, that's going to be reflected in their numbers. So it's our firm's view from a fundamental standpoint, inflation, you know, what if, if it continues to accelerate, but if it remains sticky or even goes down a little bit, you're going to still see these prices benefiting MasterCard. Near-term events, just like Marriott, we looked at some key near-term events. The U.S. is opening its borders to vaccinated travelers from 33 countries in early November and most likely will receive further updates from management on the statistics I mentioned before, as well as buy-now-pay-later trends, competitive threats. And the FDA, obviously, today is doing its approval for Pfizer's vaccine for younger kids. So obviously, people will take their kids on vacation if they feel a little bit safer. So we look to augment an existing position in MasterCard with option strategy. So our proprietary risk metric framework estimates there's about 4% downside from today's levels, but over 10% upside. That's 2.5 to 1 odds in our favor. And looking at implied and realized volatility, options have gotten more expensive than a month ago. So we want to take advantage of that. So the idea is we want to sell both the put and the call. The put being at a strike about 1.6% down from today's closing level, so that would be at the 330 level for November 19th, that would give us about 578. And selling a call option for December 17th at the 350 level, or up about 4.3% from the closing level at 635. So we'd receive about $12.13.00 and able to capture another almost $14.50 until the stock would be called away. So that strategy enables us to weather some of the downside risk that we might see, protecting over a third of the downside, our trading ranges estimate, and potentially capture some of the upside. So we like that to protect our position and also get some upside. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, you know, this is, uh, this is an interesting, we haven't talked about this kind of strategy too often uh, on the show, but I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the important things to think about is that a stock can either be lower in the same place or higher at some point in the future. And when you own a stock, as Nadine does here, and she's looking to enhance the returns, and you want to enhance them more than selling a covered call alone would do, and you would be comfortable purchasing more of those shares at a discount to the current stock price, that's when selling a straddle, or in this case a diagonal strangle, against your shares can actually make some sense. And so, I mean, this is uh, something that's being a little bit more creative. And, and of course, it has to line up with your fundamental view and, of course, your willingness to purchase additional stock. But I also happen to think that the range, essentially, for MasterCard here is pretty limited. It has not really held up very well relative to the market recently. But I do like the trade structure, and I can see why she's uh, looking at this. All right. Still to come, another edition of So Bad It's Good. This time we're focusing on Amgen. And for everything Options Action, be sure to check out our, new, our website. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. It is a fun read on Halloween weekend. 
Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. As we mentioned, the earnings parade continues next week, and so apparently does our So Bad It's Good series with Amgen at the risk of mixing franchises. That's today's call to action. Carter, you've got a bunch of interesting charts here. Yeah, a couple tables, a couple charts. Amgen, obviously a big prominent name, and it's just been a dog. I think it's such a dog that it's so bad it's good. Let's try to figure it out together. First, the table. What do we know? Just look at the two-year performance of, well, this is a comparative chart. And you're talking about a spread that's basically healthcare up 40%, Amgen flat. Now, look at the next chart. It's a five-year chart. This is a, a getting to be epic sort of spread between two very like-minded instruments, one of the biggest stocks in a sector in the sector itself. Five-year spread. You're talking about almost a double healthcare, and you can see where their paths have diverged of late. Look at the third and final comparative chart, and then we'll go to an Amgen chart itself. So just of late, again, Amgen is down some 27% from its peak as healthcare has stayed at or near a high, and I think that's the opportunity. So one of two Amgen charts, here is the Amgen chart itself, next chart, and you can see they're down 27% from its peak just uh, four or five months ago. But that sell-off is exactly down to trend, final chart. You are literally down to the penny, to the well-defined uptrend that's been in effect for the past 10 years. It has bounced there before, we think it bounces there again. All right, Mike, what's your take? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, one of the side effects of the stock's weakness has been that the valuation, uh, certainly uh, taking a look at price to earnings on a trailing basis, is getting down to some very low levels. In fact, it's trading a little over 14 times right now. That's pretty close to 10-year lows. Now, just because the P.E. of a stock is low doesn't necessarily always mean that it's a great time to buy it. Uh, sometimes that can be indicative, obviously, in a cyclical that you're uh, possibly near a top or an anticipated top in the cycle. But just taking a look at a 10-year history of Amgen and the range of valuations that it has traded at over time, just consider the following facts, that over any 60- or 90-day period holding period for Amgen over the last 10 years, your returns would have been a little over 2% and 3%. Uh, respectively, and you would have been up about 60 to 63 percent of the time. However, if you only purchased the stock when the valuation was between 14 and 15 times earnings, uh, that calculus changes pretty dramatically. Those, those 60 and 90 day return figures uh, actually look closer to 6 percent and change and 7.5 percent and are profitable nearly 80 percent of the time. So when you take a look at that, one of the things that you do get when you try to buy a stock at the lower end of its historic valuation range is that you do give yourself a little bit of a downside buffer. Perhaps you're getting to a level where the stock really can't have a whole lot more damage done. However, bearing in mind that there could, of course, be a signal based on this low valuation, particularly given it's trading about half the market multiple right now, 
you can still use options to mitigate your downside risk. I was looking out to December, the 205 225 call spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could spend about $6.95 for the 205s, sell the higher strike options for just under $1.20. Net net, you're going to spend about $5.75 or so to put this trade on. Now, the stock was trading just under 207 as of the close. So that's $2 in the money already. So the extrinsic premium that you're spending to put this trade on is actually only about 1.5% of the current stock price. So essentially, that's the premium that you're paying to have insurance below the long call strike. Uh, and of course, that also is going to reduce how much the stock needs to rise before you see profits. Uh, now, of course, the company is going to be reporting on Tuesday. So if we see some disappointments or some good news, that's likely when we're going to see it. Uh, but I think this is a way that we can take advantage of the fact that I think options premiums are actually surprisingly low here, all things considered, especially given how sharply the stock has moved over the last three reported quarters. And I have to say, those weren't too good, but the stock has traded very poorly going into this upcoming earnings. So I think we can say, just based on the stock's price action, that it isn't as if the street is overly optimistic. Nadine, what's your take on the trade? I think Mark, Mike and Carter are right here. So you've got our trading range is about 204 to 210. So it's kind of in the middle. It's a fair fight, you know, one and a half up and down. So it just means it's kind of muddling there, but it's got an implied volatility premium of 45%. So it means that people are more worried than not, just like Mike said. Um, but in terms of fundamentals, you also have people just hating the fact I think that Carter is saying, gosh, this thing has just been really difficult. And that is, you know, they've missed their numbers the last two quarters. So management really needs to deliver. Um, and that gets to the asymmetry as well as any positive news. You might see this thing rocket up. And, you know, they need to give pipeline updates with Lumacris, the notes on physician feedback, updates on immunology franchise, specifically the competitive threats from Bristol Myers, also updates on the biosimilars pipeline. And in terms of capital allocation, again, maybe they can repurchase some shares, show people they actually believe in what they're doing. So I think there's lots of ways to catalyst to move this up. Um, but in terms of our trading range, it's kind of just muddling in the middle. So we just need fundamentals to work for it. All right. Up next, a little soul searching on the Google trade from last week. We'll be back in two live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, Carter and Mike tackled big tech earnings beginning with Google. Google is hovering ominously right on the lower band. It bounced well, but to reapproach it this quickly is a bit of a defect. Second chart. It's the exact same chart, but I've included the 150-day moving average. Now, the 150-day moving average is 7% below where we are now. I was looking just at the close at the 2850-2870 call spread that expires in November. You could collect a little over $6 for that $20 wide call spread. That's a little over 30% of the distance between the strikes. That's kind of that sweet spot. So Carter, why don't you take us through what the stock has done since? Sure. So this is an instance where playing for a catalyst, an earnings event, and a break down ended up being the exact opposite, which is something unfortunate if obviously you're short. So the premise was that what was coming, foreshadowed by the poor relative strength and the sort of topping formation, would reveal that, in fact, the news is going to be bad. Instead, exact opposite, right? So this went right back to its August 30 high, and today actually inched above it. So a big week for Google. It's really a first loss, uh, best loss situation. Just get out if one is short. Mike, what, what would you do? 
Yeah, I mean, those results were really spectacular. Consider this. This company is trading at less than 12 times full year 2022 EPS estimates. I mean, the company's just flat cheap now that we know uh, how things are going for them. And here's another interesting thing. On the first morning after they reported earnings, you could have bought that call spread back for about $11.5. And the thing is, if after you heard that earnings, would you have gone out and actually purchased a put spread on it? Probably not. And so the way to think about that is if you wouldn't buy that put spread, then you don't want to be short that call spread. So you should cover it uh, if you haven't done so. Nadine, your quick take on Google. You know, we've been long a lot of uh, large tech, you know, as uh, we were on Closing Bell last week, uh, Microsoft, uh, Google. So in terms of somebody who can have lots of different ways to make money through not just ad spend, but other places, we don't like to short those kind of names. The names that have been trading more poorly, Facebook, Twitter, um, now Amazon, obviously, uh, after the, the, the earnings call. But um, we dislike those more in a neutral or a bearish formation. Those staying with the bullish formation, a lot harder for us to short. All right. Up next, your questions and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for tweets. Our first viewer asks, the bottoming formation in K-Web that was flagged in the show a few weeks ago seems to be morphing into a double top of long January 21. 52 calls and down around 40 percent so far. Do I take the loss and look for better opportunity or do the traders still like it to test the 150 day? Carter, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is something that is very much in the process of bottoming. We know that two weeks it went up 22%. Now it's down 12%, giving half of the move back. But the bottom is well-formed, forming. Stick with the trade. All right. It is time now for the final call. Last word from the options pitch. Carter Worth, back to you. Earnings next week. Amgen Long, Marriott Long. Nadine Turman. I want to sell a put and I want to sell a call and keep my MasterCard and get a little bit more offside. Mike Co. Yeah, Amgen, I think we like call spreads here to take advantage of the fact that the stock has gotten relatively cheap. 205, 225 is the way to get you done. We'll see you next Friday for more OA. Man Money starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.